Well, good morning. This is the fifth in a series of five on the coming of Jesus. And so first, a very quick review of the first four weeks. We began by looking at the way the whole world was prepared for Jesus' coming. And there were prophecies from Genesis right the way through to Malachi. And then we particularly looked at the amazing prophecies in the book of Isaiah, which are just so remarkable. And then the second week, we talked about the implication of God taking a human body and how he was joining this messy line. And he didn't, the, the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew goes out of its way to mention all the problematic parts of the history of Jesus' line, that he was really very messily human. And um, we saw the uh, the historical setting of this world that Jesus was born into and, and brought some insights from archaeology. And we looked at the reason why Jesus had to take on a human body. And then we switched uh, to the Gospel of John for the third week, and we looked at five steps um, that in John's teaching. And really John's emphasis is that Jesus came from above and how we must be born from above. And Jesus depended on power from on high, and so we must do that. And then Jesus sends us out as he was sent out. Last week, we looked at the Christmas story in the four Gospels, seeing how they fitted together, and particularly focusing on Luke, and spending some time thinking about Mary and the way Luke contrasts her to Zechariah in the way the prophetic word is received and how she really responded to that in faith. Our goal for today is to find the reason for the unusual facts of this story and the story of what happened on the day and how we are expected to respond to it. So I'm just going to, this is going to be very short, I'm going to read some verses from Luke and then some from Philippians. So Luke chapter 2 uh, we're going to look at um, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And it's interesting, uh, we do have some historical records of these. They happened every 14 years. And the Romans were extremely capable administrators. And this was the equivalent of registering your, your SIN card, which would be the Canadian equivalent, your tax number. And they would uh, have to do this officially in their, their town of origin, which was the one that Mary and Joseph came from. And Joseph and Mary would both have to do this. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in, in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. So this is the build-up. They arrive there. Everybody who traces the line back to, to David has got to go to Bethlehem. So it's kind of crowded. And usually you'd stay with relatives if you were traveling somewhere and they would have a guest room. Um, it was full. So we read, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him tight in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no guest room available for them. 
So here is the shocking situation. Born in animal quarters, probably in a cave, and because there was nowhere else. But like, what about this prophetic word that Mary had, that this was going to be God coming to earth? Can you imagine how Mary felt at this time, what was going on inside? This kind of contrast between who this person was supposed to be and how circumstances were working out. Yet she knew it was supernatural because she was pregnant. So there must have been a real dissonance in Mary's mind. Like, what on earth is going on here that I don't even have a bed provided for me? This is, this is extraordinary. Is this really the son of the world? Uh, what was it like in that situation? What was it like in that cave? Well, here's a clue. It probably wasn't like this. So do you have a picture there? Tell me what's wrong with that picture. Come and name some things that are wrong with it. Uh, halos. Halos, yes. There's nothing visibly different about them yet. What else? Is that an angel at the back? I think that's an angel, yes. Um, there's a cow there. There's a cow? Well, it could have been cows. It looks very clean. It looks very clean, exactly. What about this animal feeding cloth with beautiful white white clothed cloth in it. It's like a little Does that look like a newborn baby? No. no. <laughs> he would have <laughs> he, he would have liked like yes, exactly. And all the animals are so clean. I mean look at those little sheep. They're just like little darlings with with, with flowers on them. Yes. So yes, so the whole so this is this is our rather problematic imagery that we have. And that this universal, you don't get Christmas cards that have got reflecting the real. Well, maybe you occasionally do, but not that I've seen. Um, now, we're going to now switch to the, the second story, which is of the shepherds, which is really interesting when you read what's happening. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So here are these guys. They are up in the hills, and this terrifying scene happens. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a saviour was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Some translations say Christ, but Christ literally means Messiah. He's the Messiah. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. <laughs> that's probably not what they're expecting, but that's what the sign is. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people with whom he is pleased. Now, um, there's a problem um, here in, in um, verses 11 and 12, that, that this, uh, sorry, 10 and 11, that this is the circumstances. This is what they're to look for, yet... The evidence with the angels is very clear. So again, some dissonance going on with the shepherds. Um, so uh, 
I want to then we have um, then we have um, the fact that very little known today shepherds today are like romantic figures isn't that right you know and particularly in this story you know they've got pretty little sheep they're up on the mountains and so on in that culture shepherds were like the lowest in society they were really like dirty smelly people you want to keep out of their way i was trying to think of a of an equivalent today of what god was doing and i I'd, i saw a movie about um a group of men in vancouver who made a living, well, they, they, this is what they did for, with their lives, they collected used beer bottles and then they would take them to the, uh, the uh, um, beer store and, and, and trade them in and get, get fresh beer. And this is what they did. Now imagine God had chosen that group of men to reveal nobody else, but those were the group of people who got the revelation of Jesus coming. It's that kind of thing. It's the people that like don't, that aren't considered to be um, very high up on the social ladder, and so these. This is this is kind, and we 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 miss out. We lose this idea of um, of what it meant for Jesus if we if we don't get we don't understand that. So that's um, that's Jesus' humble birth, and I want to just. Um, Read a few more verses here. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord had made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message. They were told about this child. So they told them, Mary and Joseph, what they just heard. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and pondering them. So once again, let's just stay with Mary for a moment. Here, she's had this real downer of like not, you know, not even a room, a birth in a cave, a real downer. And now she has... A report from shepherds about angels and saying this is the Messiah. So this must have been so exciting for her, but maybe a little confusing at the same time. And so it says she's pondering these things, uh, but she's treasuring them in her heart. And so also the other people who heard this, because they wouldn't have been alone there, there would have been other people who heard this, would have, have reflected on what was going on here what is it that's going on in this situation so the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard which were just as they had been told so um, I want us to think about very briefly about the humble birth Jesus said to Philip whoever has seen me has seen the Father. We know that story, don't we? Whoever's seen me has seen the Father. Is the Father like this, or is it just Jesus who is humble like this? Is the Father like this, or is it just Jesus? Well, we read in Micah 6, 8, He's told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So the staggering thing is that Jesus is actually re revealing a facet of God by being born in such 
humble and badly thought of circumstances, despised and, and shameful in many people's eyes. So I want to um, end now. We've looked at Jesus is born, the shepherd's visit, and I will look at how we should respond today. Uh, what's our response? Well, Paul tells us in Philippians 2 very specifically what we should do here. And there is an amazingly beautiful song here. And I just thought that this would be a, uh, a lovely um, opportunity to share the beauty of this song of Jesus. And so I've colored it here so you can see how it all matches up. Um, so let's read Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 6. And it starts off right at the top in heaven, and it goes right down to the central point on the cross, and then comes back to glory. Who, being the form and reality of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but poured himself out, taking the form and reality of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And seen with the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God superexalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name belonging to Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it's, it's symmetrical. It starts off, who being in the form and reality of God did not regard equality to be God as something to be grasped. So it re- starts off with Jesus in heaven. And it ends up with it back in heaven Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you get it bracketed by Jesus being up in glory. And then we get the green, the green bits of my, my uh, outline there, this song. Poured himself out, taking the form and reality of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. And that's, um, that is uh, contrasted with the other green, which is a reverse. Like the first is like he's going down. And the, the second one, at the name of belonging to Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So you get like the opposite reflection in 7 and 10. And then we have the dark part in um, the last part of verse 7. Seeing and seen with the appearance of man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross, which is the central point in this song. And then it says, therefore God super exalted him. And I've translated super exalted because it, the, Paul has actually made this word up for this um, particular place. He's actually added literally uh, the Greek word is, would be, is, is, which means above. So he's more than exalted. And he's made this word up to like, this is like, he's done this. And this is the opposite to the humbling gave him the name that is above every name. So can you see the beautiful symmetry of this poem, this song? And um, so we have, it's right in the middle, we have the cross, and we have a descent from glory 
down, down, down to the cross. And then we have God exalting him and then people bowing him and he's he has the glory of the Father. And so it's just beautiful. And we don't know if they sung this. They probably did. We don't know the tune they sung it to, but uh, maybe somebody will put it to music today. But um, this was a song. Of, this is the song of Jesus. And um, what you notice about it is critical to this song is the descending. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to go back now, and we're going to end by looking at these verses that immediately precede this. Verse 5 says, May this mind and heart be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Oh, so we're supposed to follow this, are we? Oh, and then verses 1 through 4 give us the very precise application which I'm going to land on today. If then, therefore, there be any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship in the Spirit, if any deep affection or compassion, complete my joy by having the same mind and heart, having the same love, united in soul, in one mind and heart, not from rivalry or conceit, but, and here's the bit that reflects the poem, but in humility, counting others more important than yourselves, each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but also the interests of others. So, if you're not following Jesus today, you're just, you know, this is just a, a once a year thing, then uh, I want to, to, to really ask you to consider why Jesus did this. Because in that poem we saw, the whole point was the cross. And the cross is about cleansing us of our sins by taking them on himself. And that is what it's all about. If you are a follower of Jesus today, then I want this to be your Christmas Day message. I want you to land with this. Let this mind and heart be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And to be humble. To, to see Jesus' willingness to be humble and to say, I am going to do that. And as Paul says here, in humility, in verse 3, counting others more important than yourselves, each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but also the interest of others. That is the Christmas message here in Philippians and what we're told we are to get from Christ's extraordinary act of humility. Let's pray, shall we? We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this extraordinary act of humility that you did for us that you could take us back with you to glory. Lord, thank you. We cannot we cannot uh, stop praising you because of what you've done for us. And we pray, Lord, that, that your mind and heart will be in our mind and heart, and we will be followers of you in this way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.